0: Manny Carlos is the Chairman of Victory in the Philippines, a church with 18 congregations in Metro Manila and 80 churches in the provinces. Manny serves as a bishop and has been a pastor for over 28 years. He is passionate about reaching and training future leaders of the nation who are in the university and college campuses. Manny graduated with a B.S. degree in Mechanical Engineering from the University of the Philippines in 1983 and holds a Master's degree in Business Administration from the University of Virginia. He is currently taking doctoral studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. Bishop Manny serves on the Asia Leadership Team and International Apostolic Team of Every Nation. He also serves on several boards in various ministries in the Philippines. Manny is married to Mini Yuzon Carlos, and together they have four children, Jeremy, Daniel, Hannah, and Samuel. Welcome to the stage, Bishop Manny Carlos.
1: Thank you so much. I did say, I can be here? Okay. I did say in the morning service, uh, just for the record, I have three blue shirts, I guess because it looked like I was wearing blue the whole time. <laughs> uh, so there's three of them, because those were three different occasions, so thank you. All right, well, it's a joy to be here with you tonight. I, you know, when uh, the worship team that you have, not only is it world-class, but it's, there's, it just ministers so much refreshing, so thank you for, our, for your wonderful worship team, that brother who who... I mean, who just started? I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to conserve my energy, but I couldn't. I, you know, my feet just had to move. So, I mean, you have a wonderful worship team. Could you give them a big round of applause, just so that, um, you know, South Africa is now one of my favorite nations around the world. After being here for a week and just enjoying, uh, the, of course, the ministry of the word, but really you as a people. Um, there's a special thing that the Lord is wanting to do. And I can, in many ways, I can, and I can say this, I hope you don't mind me being candid. I know you've gone through a lot of pain and adversity as a nation. So have we. You know, Our own nation has been through so much. But yet it's in the midst of that, that there's a depth of cry to God that just touches the heart of God. And that you can sense that in the worship. Uh, if you go to our nation... You know we've gone through so much, and the unique thing about us, and it's similar also to you, is our people are a gifted people, and so are you. But yet the enemies tried to suppress that, and I believe the Lord is wanting to do something powerful in this nation, that is going to bless not just your people but the nations of the world. That's why, and I don't want to get ahead of my message, but you'll see what I mean by that. But I do want to take this time in as a you know, not just as a prompting from the Spirit, but really to bless you as a people, is I want to pray for your pastors. I want to pray for Pastor Roger and Nicola, and then, of course, Pastor Siv and his wife in a moment. But I want you to understand, uh, when, when, when your leaders are blessed, you as a congregation are blessed too, because God's anointing flows from the head. And we've had a chance to pray for some of you earlier, and I want to just do that before I minister the Word. Would that be all right? Could, could we ask Pastor Roger and Nicola to just come up? How many of you appreciate your pastors? You know the, And I say this of him, I know Pastor Simon was here this morning, and Pastor Siv as well, and the other leaders whom I you know, may not know personally. But I want you to understand this, okay? And yes, there's diversity here, there's, unique, there's ethnicities, there's cultures. But I want you to understand, when you're in Christ, we don't look at each other in the flesh anymore. We look by the Spirit. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Come on. There's no slave, nor free. We're all one in Christ. And you as God's people, I believe God wants to give you that perspective because when you are able to understand that, then you can be a source of ministry and healing in a nation such as this that has gone through so much strife in the last decade. So I, I don't know enough to be an expert, but I know enough to know that there's pain and we've been through that and so... I come as not an expert, but someone who identifies with you. But yet who's also seen how God has brought healing to our own nation. And God wants to bring healing to your nation. And God wants to use this couple as part of a vital thing that the Lord wants to do. And so, Lord, I pray and bless this man and woman of God. Thank you for the years, Lord, of sacrifice. The years, Lord, where they have labored and sown and given of themselves, Lord. And I thank you that even in this hour, Lord, you are doing a new thing. You have enlarged their hearts. Lord, and I say, God, God says unto you, my son, that you have pleased me by your faith. You've pleased me by your sacrifice. You've pleased me by going the extra mile. And you've said in your heart, Lord, I'm not going to let this nation not fulfill its destiny. Lord, if, if I wanna, I'm willing to lay down my life in, in whatever way that is to see this nation restored and healed. And I want you to know, my son, that this is an hour where I'm going to exalt you. And not, not just in your own context of ministry, but even in this nation. For you're going to be a voice of healing in the midst of strife. You're going to be a voice of unity in the midst of division. You're going to be a, a, a voice of healing, and a voice of restoration, and a voice of destiny. I'm going to stir up your words so that when you speak, people will be, uh, will be disarmed from, from saying that you know, this, this is a nation that's going to be divided. No, your words will bring forth uh, comfort. You're, you're going to be a Nehemiah. You're going to be a builder to restore the foundations of your city, says the Lord. And I'm strengthening you even now in this hour to rebuild the walls that have been broken down by strife and by brokenness and by sin and enslavement. Know my son, be strong because I'm going to reward you. I'm not going to let you see. I'm going to even enlarge your vision because I'm, uh, there's going to be dozens and dozens and even hundreds of ministries and churches that are going to be birthed not just through you in this nation, but other nations. So get ready, my son, because I'm going to accelerate even that which you have, I've put in your heart. And know, my daughter, that you have, been, uh, you have been quiet, but you have been a source of strength, not just to this man, but even to this church. For you are, uh, you're, you're a woman who has mothered. You're a woman who has had such a large heart to nurture and to, to heal and to bring. And you've guarded your heart, for there were times when the enemy tried to put that seed of of bitterness and seed of, of, of um, uh, resentment because of the, the, the even the things that you've heard. But you've guarded your heart and you said, Father, I'm here as your representative. And you're going to have such a uh, not that, that father and mother in the land. You're going to father and mother, even those who have not had fathers and mothers. And you're going to uh, see the, the release of, of um, even, um, just even the ability to restore lives of people that have been broken. And know, my daughter, that even as you're, you've said, your own children, natural children free. So I'm gonna, you're going to have a large heart to even nurture some more, uh, be even beyond your own grace and ability. Know that this is a season where you've been prepared and this is a season where I'm going to expand and enlarge that and I'm going to even give you a vision for what this nation will be. A multicolored, just like the, arm, uh, the, the coat on Joseph, a multicolored, you're going to have that mantle of Joseph and that will be the mantle on this nation and you will bring salvation to other nations, says the Lord your God. Hallelujah! All right. Pastor Siv. And your wife. All right. You know, this is a special couple. God wants you to know, son, you you have the spirit of Daniel. You have a spirit of excellence. You're one who has not settled for mediocrity, but you want excellence. And I'm going to use you as an example, even to your own people, of what excellence is. It's excellence in the spirit. It's not it's not boastful or proud but it's desiring to honor the excellence of god and know that your voice is going to be heard this church you're going to see a stirring. i'm going to double this church even in the next two years uh even quicker than that i'm going to quicken the pace and i'm going to um, um, draw the young uh the young ones the younger generation and they're going to see that you have a new spirit you're not going to have the spirit of the past. It's not, you're not victims. You're victors in Christ. You're, not, you're going to speak destiny into the people that are going to be in this church. And you're saying, yes, we may have gone through pain, but you're not going to let that define who you are. You're going to see the Word of God define what this church is going to be. And you're going to speak a new definition of what this nation and your people can be because you're going to speak the Word of God, and that truth will set people free. And know, my daughter, that you are one who has uh, sought me in the secret place. You're one who doesn't want to show yourself, but you want to hide. And know, my daughter, that spirit of intercession is a powerful tool to bring forth freedom. And you're going to, uh, there's a prophetic stirring that you're even feeling right now. And you're saying, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm seeing the schemes of the enemy. But you're going to mobilize even others and say, let's war against this. And you're going to be a Deborah in the spirit. You're not just going to be intimidated uh, because you've seen enough. And you say, no more will my people be oppressed. But there is a call and a destiny. Um, do you have children? Okay. Lord, I release your grace upon their children. Thank you that they're going to have encounters with you even at a young age. Lord, there's going to be such um, a move of the, the, the spirit among the children even of this house. And their children are going to be in the forefront of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I see your uh, children. Even now, they're going to have dreams and visions from me. And they're going to see this is what this nation will become like. Um, you're, they're going to be visionaries. They're going to be, they're going to be thrust in leadership in their lives, even at a young age. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this man is going to multiply himself. There's going to be such a call and and a sense of destiny, and it's going to be a blessing to the whole world. Watch and see what I will do, says the Lord your God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. You know, you are a special people. I, I can't say that enough. And there's many things that I sense, but I'd like to minister the Word because I believe this is what will help you, catapult you to a new place of faith when you hear God's Word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Amen? Anyway, I I want to start off with a story because I shared this in the morning, so I hope you don't mind. Some of you heard the story. This is the third time, okay? And the jokes, please laugh at the same jokes, okay? But most of you haven't heard it anyway, so it'll be new, right? Um, There was an elderly couple who attended a convention in Philadelphia. Um, I, 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 they were from another place, nearby place, and uh, this was in America about 100 years ago. So it's been quite a while, but it's a true story. And after they attended the convention, they realized, you know, I think rather than try to go home, I think we need to look for a place to stay in the night, so they, because, you know, they, they were already tired and worn out. So they went to one hotel, and unfortunately, it was full-packed. Another hotel, several hotels that they tried to get a room, they couldn't. Why? Because uh, apparently there were three simultaneous conventions going on around in that city, and so after a while, uh, they kind of almost lost hope. But this last hotel that they looked at and asked if there was a room, sure enough, there was no room. But the desk, front desk officer, was a kind man, and he realized, you know, you're such wonderful people, and it's, you know, I can't just let you stay have no place to stay now. I don't have much, I have my own quarters here. It's not a hotel room, but it's a quarters for the staff. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to stay in my room if you're okay with it. And the couple was touched because they had, you know, this man was gracious enough, even though they seem to have been wealthy people. So anyway, they stay at the hotel. The next morning, as they are about to leave, they tried to pay for it. The man said, "Don't please don't pay for it. The elderly man said to him, you know, with the kind of work ethic that you have and how you... Treat the customer. She shouldn't just be a front desk officer. You should be a general manager of your own hotel. And so I want you to know this. One day I'm going to build a hotel and I'm going to make you the general manager. Wow. And the man just smiles and saying, uh, in his mind, sure. <laughs> well, so the couple leaves. Two years later, he gets a telegram. Remember, this was in the 1920s, okay? There were no, uh, no uh, uh, devices, nothing Telegram was the instant mail at the time. It was physical email, okay? Anyway, and it says here, with a, with a train ticket, "I've finally finished the hotel that I built, and as I said, I want you to become the general manager." And so here's the ticket. Why don't you meet me in New York City?" Okay, so this man goes and he meets him at a certain place where a brand new hotel was made. This name the, the, this name, the man's name, by the way, was Rudolf Astor, and he had just built the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, which was one of the plushest hotels in that city to this day, as far as I know. So, what is the lesson there? In the course of our lives, we meet different kinds of people, don't we? And sometimes we don't know that in our interaction with them that they're going to change our lives, or perhaps the other way that you change some other people's lives. But As good as that is, there's someone so much greater who meets with you and me. And the problem sometimes is we may not really know who that person is. That person is none other than God. And I want to show you from a story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 28. How someone's life was transformed because of an encounter with God that he didn't even realize was God meeting up with him. And so I want you to turn... Um you know, it's funny, I, I just realized we keep saying turn. I mean, maybe flip your iPad or your, you know, I don't know if anybody carries a Bible. I think it's, it's wonderful if you, oh, thank you, okay. I feel validated now because, and either way, uh, actually, you know, there's a, at night especially, I, I, I still have a physical Bible, but I use this, but you know that blue light damages your eyesight. So, anyway, um that must be for somebody. Okay. All right. Jacob, Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, your words are spirit and life to us. Lord, thank you. I pray that they would not just hear the voice of a human but your very voice by your spirit as as your truth is spoken of. Thank you that you want to do a, a, a transforming work in the lives of these precious sons and daughters of yours. So do that, Father. For we ask it in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. I've entitled my message God's Unrecognized Presence. And as the story goes, Jacob had just left Beersheba and was on his way uh, to send by his parents to look for a wife. And I'll explain more about that. And in the process, as he was traveling, it says here, because it had gotten dark, he had to stop for the night and sleep. You know, remember, during those times, there was no electricity, and so you couldn't really travel much. You had to, uh, you know, you had to, uh, you had to stop. And so it was really by happenstance that he was there in that particular place, right? But what was happenstance to him was God's ordained timing and meeting place to him, for him to have this encounter with God. As Pastor Jim would say, Jim LaFoon, he said in this place he collided with his destiny. And his destiny was he was going to continue the blessing that God had promised Abraham and Isaac, his grandfather and father, that that same promise of fruitfulness and multiplication how many of you would like that promise to multiply? And uh, I don't mean that in the natural. Okay, I mean if you multiply in descendants, I mean that might be too much for you. But at least spiritually. Okay, uh, thank God for families. Okay, I have four. Okay, and uh, they're you know they're wonderful. But anyway, my point is. Okay, uh, I understand we have a little more time here, so I'm not as constrained, so I can tell a lot more stories, right? Anyway, anyway, um, so as he sleeps. You know, he has this dream, okay? Uh, and this stairway from heaven, okay? I don't know if that's what Led Zeppelin had, their inspiration. Some of, some of you are alive during my time, okay? Uh, you wonder, who's that, okay? Uh, that was my unsaved days yet, okay? Anyway, so, and and God began to speak his destiny upon them, and he said, uh, wow, God is in this place. He called that place Bethel. It's not named here, but that's what Bethel means the house of God. God was here, and I was not aware of it. Okay? Now, we know one of the revelations of God. You know, I'm not trying to give you a theological study, uh, course, but one of the attributes of God is that He is omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? That means He's present everywhere. Okay? How many of you believe that? He's present. Now, that's different from a Hindu concept called pantheism. And pantheism basically is God is in everything. He's in the table. He's in the mosquito. He's in the cockroach. No, no, no. That's, a, that's very different, okay? God is everywhere, but He's not in everything, okay? And so, why am I saying that? Because, see, sometimes the challenge with relating with God is this. He's everywhere, and He wants to manifest His presence He's everywhere, but He wants to manifest. He wants to make His presence known to you. Why? Because He wants to strengthen you and encourage you. How many of you need strength and encouragement when you're facing the challenges that you have? Not just on a day-to-day basis, but when you're making decisions or you're, you're facing some cha- uh, adversity in your life. God wants to make Himself known to you that He's with you. The problem with me with, is, is this. Because God is spirit, you cannot see Him, Right? And because we can't see Him, sometimes we don't know if He's really there or not. But how many of you know just because God, you can't see God doesn't mean He doesn't exist? Okay? There was this atheist, you know, you know an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God, right? And he was walking the woods one day and just admiring the serenity of the place. I mean, the birds were chirping, you know, the wind, gentle breeze was blowing. I mean, it was a calm, cool day when suddenly out of this nowhere, this bear, okay... I was in Australia when I shared this story. It wasn't a koala bear, okay? It was a grizzly bear, okay? A big, vicious bear. And he comes running after this guy. And when he sees him, oh no, he realizes his life is in danger. And so he tries to make a run for it. And the more he runs, the more the bear gains upon him. And finally, the bear is almost upon him. And he looks back one more time. Unfortunately, he trips on a piece of rock. And he falls on his back. And the bear comes upon him and is about to pounce on him with his paw. And when that happens, he suddenly cries out, Oh my God! And as soon as he does that, the bear freezes. And everything begins to calm down. The wind stops blowing. And the birds stop chirping. And a light begins to shine upon where that man was. And a voice begins to speak. I thought you didn't believe in me. (laughs) you You deny my existence. And now you call upon my name. Am I now to make you a believer of me? And the man thought for a while, hmm. if I say I want to be a Christian, that I'd be a hypocrite. Remember, he's an atheist, right? And so he thought, uh, excuse me, uh, could, you just, could you just make the bear a Christian instead? <laughs> and the voice says, very well. And so the light withdraws and the birds begin to chirp again. And the wind begins to blow, and the bear withdraws its paw, puts it together and says, Lord, thank you for this food I'm about to eat. A thing. Come on now, God exists, hallelujah, He's real. Come on, you may not see Him, but He's right there in your midst. Now, it's not a true story, okay, it's a joke. Let me tell you, God is so real. We can't see Him. That's why God wants to manifest Himself. How do, how do you know that God's with you when you're facing your situations? That's the big question. And the way we know, which what I'm going to be talking about is this. The way we know that God is with us. As I said, because He wants you to know, to have the assurance that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, that's His promise. The way we know God is at work in us, I mean the way we know that God is with us, is by how He is at work In the situations that you face. In your life. And I'm going to share with you four situations. That all of us go through. And we're going to show you from the word. How God. Makes himself known to you. That he's with you in the midst of that. The first situation is this. When we are going through times of transition. Going back to the story of Jacob. Jacob. Had. um, Left. His family, why? Because he was actually running away from his brother, Esau. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers, born from Rebekah and Isaac. Uh, Esau, being the oldest one, even I mean, they were twins, but yet he came out first. So he naturally, the firstborn usually has the double portion of the blessing in the Hebrew culture. Jacob came out, this is funny, he came out right after Esau, and he was grabbing the heel of his brother. Can you imagine that? I mean, don't imagine too much, okay? But he was coming out of his mother's womb. He was grasping the heel of his brother, okay? That's why he was called Jacob, which means deceiver, okay? So that was really, you know, names are important in the Bible because many times, you know, the names speak not just of the, it's not just a label for the person, it's the character of that person, okay? Anyway, I, uh, I have much more stories to tell about births, but uh, for the sake of time. So anyway, Jacob growing up, uh, and with the connivance of his own mother wanted to steal the blessing from Esau because really Esau and, and this is another story in and of itself but see God's sovereignty uh, even though Esau who actually despised his birthright so anyway and God had chosen Jacob even though culturally he wouldn't have been chosen so that's the long and short of it was but anyway after he manipulated his brother from the blessing you can read it in, in Genesis Esau nursed a grudge. To a grudge against his brother, and so he was waiting for his dad to die, Isaac. and He was going to kill him. And Rebecca got wind of it, and so he told his son, you know, "Leave this place, okay? Until and stay away a long time until his anger subsides." So Isaac and Jacob tell him, uh, Isaac and Rebecca tell him, "Look for a, look for a, a wife among my family." You know, they originally came from this first uh, area in in, um, in Ur of the Chaldees in um, in Padam Aram. So anyway, the point was. Jacob's leaving wasn't really a planned departure. He was running away from his brother. And so when he was, when he was going to Badam Aram, not knowing what was going to happen. Okay? It was a time of transition for him. When there's transition, there's usually uncertainty, isn't it? And when there's uncertainty in your life, it brings anxiety. And God wants you to know that when you are in that place of transition, God is going to meet you at your, at your point of need so that you will know that He is with you. Um, one amazing story uh, in our church is one of our churches outside of Manila. It's in the province called Dagupan. It's known for a fish called milkfish, okay? Or bangus in Tagalog. And it's, it's a lovely fish. I mean, it's, it's so delicious. I mean, it's, uh, I'm missing it already, okay? I'm Tuesday, I'm going to be back <laughs> home, okay? Uh, but... Um, it's a lucrative business. Um, this businessman, a member of our church, had fish pens, not fish ponds. Fish ponds are, you know, it's dug up out of the ground. Fish pens, you put these bamboo stilts on the river, you put a net into it, and then you put you raise your fish inside it. So you get free water and they're just flowing. And there are many businessmen who have that, okay? And the good thing about it, it's, it's again, you can prosper. However, the risk is when there are storms, sometimes, not all the time, the flood the water, uh, the river waters rise up, and the fish can actually escape. Anyway, in one of the small group meetings in the church, you know, I know this church has small groups. You know, I, I, after you hear the story, you will realize, hey, I want to be in a small group too. If you're not, okay, because in the small group there's times of prayer. And while they were praying in the small group, the, the this businessman, this fish fish pen owner, felt a prompting from God to harvest his fish. I don't know if it was one of the press, but he felt the prompting, and he was thinking in his mind, "Lord, is this you?" Because his fish, although it had grown, you know, there's a peak time to harvest it, you know, when the fish are fully grown. And I think it probably needed another week or two before the fish should have been harvested. But after he uh, couldn't leave him, so he prompt he was—he realized, "Okay, Lord, I'm just going to obey you." So he harvested his fish, even though it wasn't the biggest. He could have made a little more money if he had waited a little longer. Well. What happens is less than a week later, a few days, a surprise storm, it wasn't predicted by the weather bureau, just came into that place. And, and sure enough, you know, the floodwaters rose. And unfortunately, the other fish pen owners around him lost their catch of fish because the, the, the fish escaped when the waters rose. But God spared this businessman and he saved this harvest of fish. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Amen. <clears throat> But you know what? That's not the end of the story, okay? When the waters receded to their normal levels, this businessman, member of our church, goes to his fishmen, and to his surprise, there were more fish in the fishmen. Apparently, the fish from the other fishmen ended up in his pen. <laughs> now, you might say, that's not fair, is it? But how can you tell? There's no label on that fish. I mean, there's no chicken-by-the-sea label or whatever that tuna fish company brand is. Come on now, when you're facing times of transition, you may be changing jobs, you may be lost a job, maybe there's a death in the family, or maybe you're about to get married. Whatever transition you're going to, God is going to meet you at that point and give you the direction you need. Amen? You know, this is what Psalm 25 verse 4 says this. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Someone rendered it this way. He said, Lord, show me your next path course of events. You know, I've learned something about God. We know that God is with us. But do you know the Bible also says that God is not just with us, but also God goes ahead of us? That's called the prevenience of God. Remember in Joshua, when they're about to conquer the promised land, I mean, yes, uh, you know, I mean, yes, we're going out to battle. Remember, a whole, and God says, I'm going to go ahead of you. So whatever transition you're in, you don't know where you're going. But guess what? God assures you He'll be with you. And when you end up in that transition phase in your life, God's already there ahead of you. Second situation where God is at work in our lives is when we are facing trials. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. And I don't know if any person has not gone through adversity and trials. Is there any person here who doesn't have had a trial? Can I pray for you to have one in case you haven't? No, God. Someone said, "You know, God afflicts. God comforts the afflicted, and He afflicts the comfortable. Something like that." Okay. There's something about trials that does something in our lives, and I'll show you where how. First Samuel chapter one verse twelve says this. This was Hannah, a wife of Penina, and here Penina had to. I'm sorry, wife of Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives, Penina, who had children, and Hannah, who didn't have children. And there was strife between the two wives because, uh, you know, um, Penina was mocking Hannah because she didn't have uh, children, okay? Well, of course, the problem was having two wives in the first place, okay? I want you to understand, culturally, you see that in the Old Testament, just because it's the Bible doesn't mean God approves of it. God's design has always been one man and one woman for life, okay? But anyway, so Hannah was barren, and so she felt uh, you know, that there's no blessing upon her. And so every year that they would go to the temple, she would cry out to God. And one time while she was praying, let's read it. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, who was the high priest at that time, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli, Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to go to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Okay? Not so, my Lord. Hannah said, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Please don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli realized, oh, I missed it. So he said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And so the priest spoke blessing. And so what was she in anguish about? She, did, she wanted to have children. And she, if you read the prayer before this passage, she actually made a vow to the Lord. Of course, it's, you know, it's difficult when you make vows because when you make vows, God takes it seriously. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. But when you make vows, okay, be careful to make vows. I've learned that from Jesus. But here, out of her desperation, she said, Lord, if you will give me a son, I'm going to dedicate him to your service all the days of his life. You know, there are times when you're, when you're in an anguish and anxious situation. Remember, Eli was a spiritual leader. And, you know, I'm a pastor we have pastors here. How many of you know sometimes the pastors don't know all that's going on in your life? Sometimes you come to them and you expect them to know. No. We may not know, but God knows what you're going through. And God heard her prayer. And a year later, she gives birth to a baby boy and she names him Samuel, which means heard of God. And who is Samuel? And he goes, she goes back to uh, Eli the, a year or two after and says, as surely as the Lord lives, this is the son whom I prayed for, and now here he is as an answer to my prayer. And now I give him back to the service of the Lord. He basically turns over Samuel after he was weaned. He was going to stay there and be dedicated to the priest, priestly ministry. Can you imagine? She received her answer to prayer, and she fulfilled her vow. Now, the good news was this, by the way. She had about, I think, five other children after that. So God did, Okay. Now, of course, he was going to see Samuel. It's a touching story, really, of a mommy, you know, dedicating and she would make this little robe, priestly robe for him. But the point is this um, Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in old, the whole Old Testament history. He was the one who ushered in the monarchy with anointing Saul and David as the kings of Israel. And so the lesson we can learn here, brothers and sisters, is this what is the purpose of trials? Okay? The purpose of trials is to bring us to a point of desperation so that when we cry out to God, God can answer us. And I realize this, the greater the destiny and the call upon a people or a nation, I believe the greater the testing of that na- the faith of that nation. That's why to me, in my own nation and in your nation, the testing and the trials are not meant for God to destroy your nation. It's meant to prepare you for a great destiny that He has for you. Some of you don't believe that, do you? <laughs> Let me tell you, God has something awesome that you can offer the world. It's a healing that God wants to use you. The devil is not going to define what this destiny of this nation is. God is. And through His people, through you, you will be those ministers of healing. Come on. If you believe it, God's going to do it. James says, James 1 says, it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you encounter trials of many kinds. Because, whenever you, uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its course so you may be mature and complete. It's not there anymore. Not, not, there's something that trials does th- th- accomplish in our lives. <laughs> and so when you learn to embrace them, let me tell you, God will prepare something. is preparing something great for you individually, family, this church as well. Great. Number three. When we are afraid, you know, fear is one of the greatest weapons that the enemy has in his arsenal towards you and me. First, Second Kings chapter 6, let me read it. When the servant of the man of God got up, well, let me give you a background of the story. The, um, Israel was at war with our, one of the kingdoms, Aram. And the Aramean king was plotting to, you know, to ambush the armies of Israel. But every time he does that, it's like the Israelites avoid it. Apparently, what happened was Elisha, the prophet, would get wind. He would hack into the system, okay, into the conversation in the bedroom and be able to get by revelation what the scheme of the enemy, uh, what the scheme of the Arameans, and warn the king of Israel about it. And so they would avoid. And so this happens several times. The king realized we must have the Aramean king. There must be a spy among us. And the guys and the leader said, no, it's Elisha the prophet. And so the king of Aram was so angry, he decided to send a team to capture them, basically, to kidnap them. And so as they were on their way, you know, the servant was, and Elisha were asleep. They were just two, and then they woke up. They saw the people around them, okay? And this is what we read. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So apparently the servant's eyes were opened and he saw in the spirit. You know, when you look in the natural, you know, you see, you know, there's a family loved one who has sickness or there's, you know, your your, your business is not going well or this. You can look in the natural and say, wow, the enemy is overwhelming me. But What God wants to do, He wants, when we're afraid, He wants to open our spiritual eyes to see the reality that there are more who are with you than those who are are against you. You know, people deal with all kinds of fear, isn't it? I want to enumerate a list to you. I looked at this. You can just get this online. But apparently, people deal with all kinds of fear. For example, peladophobia. It's the fear of baldness and bald people, okay? Now, don't look at the person beside you, okay? Don't be afraid. Aerophobia, fear of fear of drafts. Poriphorophobia, fear of the color purple. Chetophobia, fear of hairy people. Levophobia, fear of objects on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia, fear of objects on the right side of the body. Aurorophobia, fear of the northern lights. Kalipropophobia, fear of obscure meanings. Talasalophobia, fear of being seated. Stabisaphophobia, fear of standing and walking. Odontophobia, fear of teeth. Graphophobia, fear of writing in public. And the worst fear of all phobophobia fear of being afraid come on whenever whenever we're afraid we need to realize god's going to fight the battle for us amen i shared this story as well this morning and uh, whenever you are afraid god will deliver us not just from our fear but from the works of the enemy come on if you belong to god if god is for you who can be against you amen finally, fourth situation where we see God is at work is whenever we pray. And I really like this. This is my favorite. How many of you pray? Okay, guess what? Every prayer that you pray, God answers. Okay, now, remember, he said if you pray according to his will. Now, when I say God answers, obviously, it may not be according, you know, if you're not praying his will, then. Anyway, let let me just explain. (laughs) Give you a story. I, I, I. I got my punchline out right away, sorry. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had changed the brother of John and put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handling him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Remember, James was one of the original three closest disciples of Jesus. Peter, James, and John. That James was the one who was put to the sword. So this was serious persecution. And now Herod had Peter arrested. He said, wow, this pleased the Jews. I'm going to get Peter too. And when Peter was put in prison, the, rea- the church realized, this is serious. Okay? And so they cried out to God. They started earnestly praying for him. I mean, day and night, they probably interceded. Well, what happened was, we, don't, we, don't read it, we won't read it anymore, but you read the rest of the story. The night that they had been, you know, that night, that same night, because he was going to be put on trial the next day, the church was crying out. An angel appears to Peter and begins to unshackle him. It's actually, Peter thought he was sleeping, okay, but the angel you know stabbed him by the side he, you know and he led him out of the prison and before you you know it, he was out there in the prison, and then he realized this is not a dream, this is for real, and so he runs back towards where he knew the disciples were in the room, and he knocks on the door you know, to, um, or uh, he, he, he his voice was calling out to them, and the church was still praying, and so when they heard this. There's someone out there, he said, the, one of the women, young girls went out to find out, and he heard Peter's voice. And she went back, he said, Peter is here, Peter is here. And the disciples said, no, that's not Peter, that must be his angel. Lord, rescue Peter! Lord, rescue Peter! Come on now, God already answered the prayer, and they didn't know that the answer had already come. And so what's the lesson here? Many times when we pray, let me tell you, God answers our prayer. But sometimes the answer comes in a way that we don't expect. And in that case, we miss out on maybe what God wants to do until, obviously, they found out soon enough that it was Peter. And they were so glad that God answered him. I want to give you one more story before we pray. There was this certain missionary named James Gilmore who was working in the the nation of Mongolia. This was several years ago. And during that time... I don't know much about the history of Mongolia. There must have been some sort of war or conflict. And three soldiers had been wounded in battle and they made their way into their mission house, in their mission compound, and wanted to ask for help to have their wounds dressed and healed. Now, James Gilmore, remember, was a missionary, obviously from another country, and you know, when soldiers ask you for help, you don't refuse their help, especially if they're carrying guns, right? So, the first two, he administered first aid. He knew how to do first aid. And he was able to set their wounds, and they were fine. But the third one had a serious injury. He had a broken thigh bone. And James realized, oh, man, I, can, I don't know if I can do this. He's not a trained doctor. He knows some first aid. And he realized, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't help this man. And so he prays. He said, Lord, help me, you know, he, he just in his mind and heart. And while he was praying, you know, he was trying to look if there were any books uh, you know, related to that problem, and he couldn't find. While all this was happening, out from nowhere, these beggars, several beggars, come to him asking for alms and food. And, you know, James became distracted. He realized, you know, this is a, I mean, he, he, he took pity on them. He gave them food, gave them money, and then sent them away so he could focus back on helping the soldier. And while the beggars were going, he noticed The last one to go was so thin, he was like a a living human skeleton. And then as he looked at him, something, a a light brightened up in his mind. You know, the lights were turned on and he realized this man was a fine specimen of human anatomy. And so he asked him to come back, has him lie on the table and begins to feel his thigh bones. Come on. And after feeling this man's bone, he realized he knew the answer to help the wounded soldier. And sure enough, he administers whatever, a splint, puts him in a bandage and all that, and eventually the man got healed. How many of you know God answered James' prayer in a unique way? And he would have missed it if he wasn't open. Come on now, God answers our prayers. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, let me just sum up as I close. And I'm going to ask Pastor Siv to help pray with you, for you. As I said, God is a God who wants to be near His people. He wants you to know that He's always with you. And even though we may not see Him, doesn't mean He's not there. And the way you are assured that God is with you is He is working in the midst of the situations you find yourself Especially if you're in a place of change and transition. Whether you're going through trials or whether there's fears that are tormenting you. God wants you to know through His Word, by His Spirit, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so as we close, I want to pray for you. Some of you who might be in that situation. And maybe someone you can just minister uh, in music. Lord, thank you for your presence in our midst today. Lord, more than the funny stories, Lord, it's the truth of who you are. And Lord, I believe that your people, Lord, are being comforted right now. And maybe this word might not be for all of you, but for many of you, I believe you find yourself in that very situation that I just described. Particularly a time of transition or uncertainty that you're going, or maybe you're in a place where you're going through trials. And if you're in that situation, I believe God wants to release His grace, his comfort, his faith, his strength and I believe God wants to manifest himself strong on your behalf to let you know that he's with you and he'll intervene on your behalf if that's you I want you I want to pray for you. could you kindly lift up your hand so I know who you are? All right Wow, many people up I don't know if this is necessarily for everyone, but just by you raising up your hand in God's Grace is already here because God delights in answering the peop- the prayers of His people. So if that's, if you're lifting up your hand, could you just stand up from where you're seated please so I can pray for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Sif to pray as well but let me pray for you first. Lord, I I bless your people right now. Father, young and old, rich or poor, Lord, whatever their life situation is, Lord, thank you that they're, they're coming to you, Lord, in humility and in need because of their own situation. And Father, you delight in answering the prayers of those who seek your face. Lord, you said in your word, you will not forsake the ones who seek your face. Lord, you've never turned away anybody who has cried unto you. And Lord, you said you will never put to shame those who trust in you. Lord, as they acknowledge, why don't you just Lift up before God, just under your breath. Just say to God, Father, you know my situation. Lord, help me. Just whisper it to God right now, wherever you are. Father, your word says that to come to you, those who are weary and heavy laden, And you will give us rest. Lord, you said to take your yoke upon us. Because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, lift up the burdens right now. Just lift up your hands right now. And as you lift your hands, God's lifting up that burden. There it is right now. Lord, lift up the burdens, the heavy burdens from your people. Thank you, Father. Lord, you're moving in such an awesome way right now. Lord, you're removing every fear, every doubt, every discouragement. Lord, you said there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out every fear. Lord, we drive away every fear right now. Fear that you're not going to pull them through. Lord, thank you that you're giving them, reminding them simply of how much you love them. And Lord, thank you that even now as they're lifting up their hands, you're lifting up the burdens. And right now, Father, I pray that wisdom and grace... And faith is going to be deposited in their hearts in a fresh way. And Lord, the answers, your intervention is going to come forth. Lord, your timing is always perfect. Meet them, Father, beginning tonight and in the coming days. In Jesus' name.